Welcome to the Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Williams. If you want to follow the podcast on Facebook, do a search on Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone and the Facebook page will pop right up. If you want to follow the podcast on X, True Social, and Gitter, search for at RKY Freedom. That's at RKY Freedom. Also, this podcast now has a hashtag called RKY Freedom. Therefore, if you want to comment on something I had said during this podcast or written about on social media, use the hashtag RKY Freedom. If you have a suggestion or think I should interview a guest, then email me, Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone at protonmail.com. That's Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone at P R O T O N M A I L.com. Thank you for listening to the Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone podcast. On this episode of the Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone podcast, I talked about the best Thanksgiving I had ever had, along with a funny episode that happened to me during the Thanksgiving of 1987 that I just laugh at now. I also talked about the origin of Thanksgiving and how it really came about and what we're not being told in the history books. Oh, and just to give you a heads up, We're going to really dive into Montana politics after the beginning of next year. We have a very competitive race coming up next election concerning John Tester. I also want to talk more about voter fraud and other issues here in the state of Montana. So that's all coming up at the beginning of next year and continuing through the election. In the meantime, for this episode of the Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone podcast, buckle up and enjoy the ride. If you are looking for a fun, quirky, mystery, family-friendly adventure, then The World Maker's Assistant may be the book for you. Set in another galaxy, it will have you wondering why Play-Doh, paint, and glue are some of the ingredients on a beloved baking show who's piloting the elusive planet-destroying ship, and if V, the main character, will find her place in the galaxy. If this is your kind of story, visit Amazon.com or OlympiaPublished.com and search for The World Maker's Assistant by Cheryl Olson. I hope you all had a very happy Thanksgiving. I apologize that this post was not released earlier today. I just got busy over the Thanksgiving holiday, but it would not be a complete Saturday without me releasing a show. And I'm not just saying that. It's a ritual. I apologize for not getting one out sooner. You know, sometimes the holidays, it's just busy. However... I've got some good shows coming up in the next few weeks, and yes, those shows will be posted on time at 6 a.m. on Saturdays, all things being equal, of course. I know the holidays for some of you are depressing. Some of you may not have family to go to for one reason or another. Maybe your family burnt their bridges with you, you burnt your bridges with them, Maybe the differences between you and your family are so big that you just can't get together. I think in a situation like that, you have to do what works for you. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Now, I didn't necessarily burn bridges with my family. In fact, far from it. But I was in a similar situation back in 2007. 
I did not spend time with my immediate family because I was clear down in Cedar City and they were up in Idaho, up in uh, the Boise area. And to be honest, I had a lot of homework to do and yes, I could have gotten it done in Idaho, but I just knew that there would be a lot of commotion and I really needed to spend time in Cedar City. So what did I do? I spent time with my extended family, distant cousins of mine that I've gotten to know for, I don't know, over the last year or so during that particular time. And to be honest with you, it was the best Thanksgiving I had ever had. And I'm not just saying that to make myself feel good. It was the best Thanksgiving I'd ever had in my entire life. What was so good about that Thanksgiving? Well, a few things. We had the traditional Thanksgiving food, turkey with all the trimmings. You know what they are. We also sat around after dinner and just had some great philosophical discussions about religion, politics, how to do life. And you know what I liked about that Thanksgiving? There wasn't any of this rush of Black Friday. Oh, we got to get out the greatest deals. In fact, oddly enough, which was odd to me, but it was pretty cool. They didn't participate in Black Friday at all. Now, they may have gone to the store and bought a couple things here and there on Friday, but when I say they didn't participate in it, they didn't wake up early to go to the store. In fact, they woke up so that they could go hiking the next day. All of them did. Well, except for the little children. Well, I don't know. Maybe the little children went on a hike. I don't know what they did. But all the adults I was with did go on a hike. So there wasn't any of this hype. Oh, well, let's get out the papers. Let's, yeah, back then we got out newspapers. Some people had, uh, some people were finding good deals online, but a lot of people had the paper. There was none of that. Just good conversation. No rush. No Black Friday talk. None of that. It was truly the best Thanksgiving I had ever had. And what's ironic about that time in my life is it was a very depressing time. I would say from late August, probably till a little after Thanksgiving, was a really depressing time for me. Because I, had, I was an intern at a broadcast company in the Boise area back in the summer of 07. And then I went back to school, and I just felt like I was being very condescended to. I learned a lot of things about promotions and radio. As remember, I got my degree in communication, so I learned a lot about promotions and how to promote a radio station. Now here I was back in school. Uh, besides that, from 2006, I would say up until 2007... And it seemed to have peaked, or no, I'm, I'm sorry, from 2006 up until about 2010. I was in a very complicated relationship. I don't want to get into it, but it was very complicated. And that was both of our faults. We both made it complicated. So I went out to see this person who I was in a relationship with, and I 
couldn't decide. I, it was such a culture shock when I went out there, being from the Intermountain West, then going out back east. It was such a culture shock. It, I wasn't sure how to handle it if I did get into a relationship with this person. I still loved her to pieces. I really did. But I had a lot to think about. There were other aspects of the relationship, too. So those two things really got me depressed. Or should I say, they really depressed me. As a matter of fact, during that semester of college, about the only thing I did was eat, sleep, and did homework. If I wasn't eating or doing homework, I was probably sleeping or listening to music on XM Satellite Radio before the merger. That's it. I'm not saying I was a hermit, because I did get out quite a bit, but it wasn't the same as the year before. And so that Thanksgiving was kind of a boost to my morale. And eventually, I got over the depression for the simple fact that I heard someone on the radio talk about him going through depression that particular year. And so it was comforting to know that I wasn't the only one experiencing this at that time. And after that broadcast, I said a prayer to get me out of the depression, and I was out of it. But it was, it was a hard time for me. I could, pro I could write a book about that whole relationship. But the point being, I did what worked for me that Thanksgiving of 2007 when I had no family around, and I wasn't able to go see them. What a great Thanksgiving. Let me tell you about a funny Thanksgiving that I had, then I want to get to the main topic. I had a funny Thanksgiving I guess it was uh, a funny event, I should say, happened to me during the Thanksgiving of 1987. It was one of those where I didn't think it was funny at the time, but looking back, I just have a good laugh. In 1987, I was in Salt Lake visiting extended family. And we just so happened to have Thanksgiving dinner at my aunt and uncle's house. Well, while my uncle was saying the prayer, and the way that this was all set up was, and I think this is typical with most households, the kids were in one area and the adults were in the other area. Now, we weren't too far from the adults. We could definitely hear them talk. But we were in the kitchen area where there was vinyl and the adults were in the living room, I believe is what it was. For whatever reason, when my uncle was saying the prayer, my brother thought that he was just telling a bunch of jokes so he would echo everything back. And I remember us kids were laughing. I would have been seven years old at the time. We were just laughing. I don't remember laughing out loud, but I'm sure that I had a smirk on my face and was laughing without doing an actual belly laugh. Well, then, 
The prayer is over, and I, I didn't realize that the prayer was being said. Neither did my brother. Neither did anyone else, as far as the kids were concerned. So my uncle said, you're not eating for five minutes. Well, I was kind of uh, upset about that. I didn't voice my opinion, but I was a little upset because I didn't know that my uncle was saying the prayer, neither did my brother. And I remember my mom coming up to me and saying, why don't you need to eat your dinner? You've got this on your plate. And she was naming everything. And my uncle said, he can't eat for five minutes. And my mom said, why? And he said, because he was laughing during the prayer. And my mom said, uh-oh, well, then don't eat for five minutes. And I was not livid. I was just kind of sad that I couldn't eat dinner when everyone else, all the adults, started eating dinner. It wasn't something that I was absolutely livid about. But I, you know, as a kid, five minutes sometimes can seem like an eternity. Did you ever have to take a time out for five minutes? It seemed like an eternity, didn't it? Did you ever have to go to your room for five minutes because you were being mis because you were misbehaving? Yeah, it seemed like an eternity, didn't it? Did you ever have to wait for ice cream for five minutes after dinner? Seemed like an eternity. So yeah, when you're a kid, you know, at that age, five minutes oftentimes seems like an eternity. I'll tell you what, though. And uh, maybe I should talk a little bit about my uncle here, but I'll tell you what. The next year, even though I was not at my uncle's the next year for Thanksgiving of 1988, I certainly paid attention to when the prayer was so that I would not have to repeat that episode ever again. You bet I paid attention, and I bet you my brother did too. We all learned a great lesson. My uncle, who has since passed, I felt put up with a lot from many people. But I guarantee you this, and I know this because I've talked to him about it. I had a lot of conversations with him later in life. And I, there's three things that I guarantee you my uncle would not put up with, and I'm basing it off of conversations we had. And I know one of them. He would not put up with his kids acting irreverent in church, especially during the sacrament, especially during the sacrament. He also would not put up with laughing during the prayer. I know that for a fact, obviously, because of what we all experienced that Thanksgiving day of 1987. The third thing I can guarantee you my uncle would not put up with, but knowing what I know about him, I can guarantee you that he would not put up with somebody using the Lord's name in vain. Now, if you were a casual friend or he didn't know you that well, that's one thing, but I guarantee you, me being his nephew, if I said the Lord's name in vain, unless I was really injured or something like that, I guarantee you he would ask me to stop saying that the Lord's name in vain. I guarantee it. Again, my uncle put up with a lot, but he would not put up with those three things, and rightfully so, I will add. 
So, a little bit of a tribute there to my uncle. I want to talk about a topic that seems to be overlooked this time of year. And yes, after I get done talking about it, I am going to give my opinion about Black Friday. Something that has been bothering me lately that I think is very overlooked. And that is this. The history of Thanksgiving. We all know that the pilgrims came and they were able to have freedom of religion. But there are so many misconceptions about the pilgrims, about why Thanksgiving occurred. I figured maybe this would be an appropriate weekend to talk about it. We're only told half of the story in school. I wasn't even told the whole story in school. And I'll bet you the narrative has changed since I was in school back in 1987-88 when you learned about the origins of Thanksgiving. Yes, you'll be taught that the pilgrims came on the Mayflower and landed at Plymouth Rock. Yes, you will be told that the Native American Indians helped the pilgrims. That is all true. But what you won't be told is what happened and the proclamation of Thanksgiving, which we're going to get into right now. August 1st, 1620, the pilgrims actually sailed from Holland to the New World, America. Now, yes, they originated from England. That is true. In fact, if you were in England and you did not study the Bible the way that King James did or you questioned him, you would either be imprisoned or, in some cases, ex uh, executed. You were supposed to be absolutely submissive to King James and his interpretation of the Bible. So a lot of people were beginning to learn how to read at this time. And many of the pilgrims studied the Bible front and back. They knew the Old and New Testament very well. And so they went to Holland. After they were in Holland, they decided to sail to the New World on the Mayflower. Now, let's stop here because I don't think that we realize what this journey was all about. Yes, it was about freedom, but there was another undertone. To the, there was definitely an undertone to this journey. Survival. Folks, do you realize that this ship was 50 feet long and had 102 passengers, 30 of them which were crew members, and two dogs on the ship? Do you realize that we did not have nearly the conveniences of living that we have today? They didn't have heaters, or at least heaters that we call today heaters. It was cold. It was ugly. 
I'm sure that they got rained on a lot. I don't think this ship even had a roof on it. I don't believe. I could be wrong, but I don't believe it did. Nonetheless, when they got to Plymouth Rock, this is according to William Bradford, who led 40 of the pilgrims on this ship. It was, I'm, just, I'm paraphrasing here, but it was, it was frigid, cold. There was no inn to refresh yourself or clean yourself. There were no houses and no friends to greet them. They were on their own. In fact, 52 of the 102 people on the ship died before spring. This was nasty, folks. The, the uh, people died of starvation, sickness, or just being exposed to the elements of nature, which were not friendly back then. By the way, this land was very desolate. There was no trees. There was nothing. Imagine, and this is probably the best thing that I can relate to, imagine being a pioneer in the 1800s. And by the way, there were all kinds of pioneers. It wasn't just, uh, it wasn't just pioneers from the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. There were all kinds of pioneers. But I'm going to use the example of the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, because that's what I know. Imagine... Starting your journey in March of 1847. Some people may have even started it earlier than that. Imagine no shelter, no vehicle, a horse and buggy. Some people carried handcarts. Some people couldn't afford a horse and buggy. So they walked with a handcart. Imagine being exposed to the rain. I'll bet you it was snowing in some areas still, especially in the Midwest. And then imagine getting to Salt Lake, how disappointed you would be if all you found was a salt lake, a salted lake, the Great Salt Lake. Imagine going to that area first. The water obviously wouldn't be good. And obviously they got there in the summer of 1847. I don't know if you've been to the Great Salt Lake, but I have. And I've been out at night in the summer. And I'll tell you what, those mosquitoes out there bite like nobody's business. It was brutal. I didn't stay outside for very long. There were mosquitoes eating me, well, biting me, I should say, all over the place. Imagine that's probably what the pilgrims went through is probably worse because at least the pioneers got there in the summertime. This is the dead cold of winter where it was desolate, barren. I can't comprehend it. I try to, but I can't, and I often wonder if... I had to live that lifestyle. Would I even survive? I hope so, but I don't know. I really don't know. These people must have had very, very stubborn and strong personalities, as they had to. But we're not even to the good stuff yet. 
So spring came of 1621, because remember they got there in 1620, November 1620, after the ship sailed August 1st, 1620. So November 1620, they got there. Oh, and by the way, the leader of the 40 pilgrims that were on that ship, as uh, some of the 102 passengers, was William Bradford. And his wife was one of those people that passed away. As a matter of fact, most of the people that did pass away were women because they were protecting their children, protecting their husbands, whatever. They would lay on top of their children to keep them warm. So spring of 1621 came, and yes, the Native Americans helped a lot. They helped the pilgrims learn how to plant corn. They helped them to make fur coats out of beaver skin. And they also helped them do other things as well. So that part is true, but... Here's what gets ignored in history, folks. What gets ignored in history is the kind of government that they had. And by the way, there's a whole lot more to this story than I'm that I'm going to than what I am going to tell you. There's a lot more. I'm just telling you the very basics. And there are links in the show notes where you can actually get more of the story. Oh, and by the way, the pilgrims did teach them uh, how to fish and how to fish for cod specifically. Before they went to this voyage, on this voyage, they had sponsors. There was no way this voyage could have happened on their own. They had sponsors in Holland and England. These sponsors and the pilgrims signed a contract. And in that contract, it said that every person would own, uh, would have a share in the community. So there was a community store. And so everything that you grew had to go into that community store. Your land belonged to that community store. It's almost like a bank, if you want to imagine a bank. Well, a few years later, I think it was a year, year and a half later, Governor Bradford decided that this wasn't working. Well, it wasn't that he decided. He knew it wasn't working. And what is? what do we call this? We call this socialism. That's what we call it. So socialism was being experimented with long before Karl Marx came along. And this is what is omitted in the history book. So William Bradford made a very bold move. He decided to give each person, each pilgrim, I'm sure each adult pilgrim, a lot and on that lot, they could build, they could grow, they could do anything they want. They could even do nothing with it. It was entirely up to them. Now, if you're smart, or if you were smart back then, you better be growing, you bet you'd be growing your own food. But, that's what people, they had the freedom to choose. 
many people grew their own food. Oh, the other reason this wasn't working, the old method of doing things where you had to put everything, give everything to the store. The other reason it wasn't working is because in socialism, people lost their motivation. As a matter of fact, William Bradford wrote about this in his journal. I'm paraphrasing, but basically said that it took the motivation out of those that were good laborers and unemployment. It retarded unemployment. Or not unemployment, employment. I'm sorry, it retarded employment. And people were just not motivated. On top of that, too, there were very few people doing the work of several. That's when William Bradford came in and did what I just told you about. People were prospering like crazy, so much so that they had to build a trading post, which was the first enterprise system in the New World put on by the pilgrims, the trading post, where you could buy, sell, and trade products. Now, I don't know how the currency worked back then. I don't know if it was mostly on a barter basis. I don't know if I wanted to buy an ear of corn, what I would trade, or if I had nothing to trade. I don't know what I would have exchanged for money. But nonetheless, it was a buy and sell, sell and trade. It was a trading post. Some of you may have been to a trading post. Some of you probably know what I'm talking about. And there was an abundance of food. People were prospering. Now, this was not all a bed of roses, folks. There was a Native American guy named Squanto, I believe was his name. That's how my screen reader pronounces it, Squanto. And he was a very unique individual. He actually knew the language of the Europeans because he had been over to Europe, and he was able to negotiate and basically be the go-between guy between the tribes and the pilgrims. This was not all peaceful, folks. You had people, they were humans. You had people on power trips, and I would imagine on both sides, the Native Americans and the pilgrims. So Squanto signed, uh, helped with a treaty between the tribes and the pilgrims. As a matter of fact, in William Bradford's journal, he had mentioned that he believed, and this wasn't just William Bradford, it was several other people believed that God sent Squanto so that they could be assisted during these times. And things were great. This prompted George Washington to issue a proclamation on thanks uh, a proclamation of thanksgiving to be held on the 26th of November 1789 so on October 3rd he signed a proclamation and that proclamation was supposed to be in honor of thanksgiving in 1789 but he didn't just sign it because of the prosperity. Uh, he didn't just sign it because the America won the revolution. He signed it in honor of what happened before the revolution, in honor of the tenacity of the pilgrims. 
in honor of the tenacity of the Americans who fought the revolution, in honor of God. So when you have Thanksgiving, it's not just about turkey and stuffing, yams, sweet potatoes, olives. It's a whole lot more. Yes, the Native Americans definitely helped the pilgrims. There is no question about it. But the reason the pilgrims prospered was because of the government that Bill Bradford created. No doubt that the Native Americans helped the pilgrims and taught them how to do things. But the real prosper came when Bill Bradford got rid of the socialistic government and put in capitalism. They may not have called it that back then, but that's what they were doing. They may not have called it socialism, but that's what they were practicing before. So during this holiday season, as we express gratitude to what we have, as we express our love to loved ones, whether it's someone we're in a relationship with, whether if it's a best friend, family member, whatever, I really want you to think about the origin of Thanksgiving. And like I said, there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a few links because there's a whole lot more to this story. I'm only touching the iceberg, the tip of the iceberg here. But I want you to go listen to a podcast that Glenn Beck and someone else did about Thanksgiving. There's a link to it. It's on YouTube. And you better go listen to it quick before YouTube takes it down. Surprised they haven't already. And if I knew of other places where you could find it, I'd put it there. I would uh, give you the link. But I, I think it'll be on YouTube for a while. So you're safe. I'm going to link to excerpts of the book, See I Told You So, that Diego Rodriguez put up on his website on freedomman.org. As a matter of fact, let me mention Diego Rodriguez for a few minutes. Diego Rodriguez sent an email out to those who are subscribed to freedomman.org. And Diego Rodriguez came up with a good idea. In fact, I think I might practice this next, next year during Thanksgiving. Instead of being thankful for what you have in general, for example, me being thankful for technology or me being thankful for Darcy, just to give a name out there. Let's say I'm in a relationship with Darcy. I'm not, but let's just say I was. I'm thankful for Darcy. She's a sweetie pie. She reminds her personality reminds me of chocolate pie. Instead of being thankful for something, the general things, how about being thankful for what you for what has happened to you over the past twelve months? That's a good idea. Anyway, there will be a link, and if the history books had this episode, had this whole thing about Thanksgiving with Governor William Bradford and what he did and the kind of government he instituted after, I believe it was two years, a year and a half, imagine how we would be as a society. Of course they're not going to put it in the history books because it doesn't 
match the agenda. I didn't even know this until I listened to it a few months, a few years ago. And then I had to re-listen to it because of this podcast. I did a little bit of research. But I am thankful that Rush Limbaugh came out and told us about it. And there's other podcasters who have talked, who are telling us about it. And there's things that you can find online. The Federalist has done some great articles about Thanksgiving. Go to thefederalist.com. In fact, they released kind of a uh, they released an article similar to what Rush Limbaugh said on his radio show during the Thanksgiving or probably the day before Thanksgiving of 2020, which was a very polarizing year, as you know. So I will highly encourage you to go look at those links and see what you think. And I hope you'll have a different perspective about Thanksgiving. Maybe next year I should repeat this story again, but then I should do the history of Black Friday. Speaking of Black Friday, I do not participate in Black Friday. I think it is a scam. I think it's unnecessary. The fact of the matter is a lot of those deals that you see on Black Friday are deals that are going on throughout the whole year. It just so happened that the merchants are taking advantage of people and making a big deal that it's being on sale on Friday. And besides, back to what I said at the beginning of this podcast, don't you think spending time at the kitchen table or at the living room with friends and family having good discussions is a lot more important than trying to find the next deal, the greatest deal on Black Friday to me? Waking up at 4 or 5 in the morning to go get in line really destroys the, th the spirit of Thanksgiving and Christmas. It really does. And there are other reasons I think that too, and you're going to find that out. As a matter of fact, probably the week before the 21st, I'm going to read a story out here, and then Cheryl Olson, who's been a guest of mine twice, She's going to interview about it. We're in the midst of working on my story right now. I'd love to thank Cheryl Olson. She's been really good at helping me edit this. I am ever so grateful for Cheryl. All right, folks. We've got some good podcasts coming up. Find out. Oh, and by the way, we're going to get into Montana politics after the first of the year. I'm going to go on a holiday vacation for a while, probably after the 22nd. But I'll be back. We're going to dive heavily into Montana politics. By the first of the year, we're really going to dive into Senator John Tester. We're going to dive into a lot of things because John Tester is in a real heated race up here. And we don't know who his opponent is, but... I definitely want to research some things. And we've already talked about election fraud here in Montana quite a few times here on this podcast. But we will continue to cover it. Anyway, folks, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. And I will talk to you next week.
Thank you for listening to the Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone podcast. If you'd like to follow the podcast on Facebook, just do a search on Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone and the Facebook page will pop right up. If you want to follow the podcast on X, Gitter, and True Social, just do a search for at RKY Freedom Zone. That's at RKY Freedom Zone. Don't forget to use our new hashtag when commenting on a podcast that I have put up or something that I've written on social media. Just use hashtag RKY Freedom. That's hashtag RKY Freedom. If you'd like to make a suggestion for the podcast, or perhaps you have a guest you think I should interview, please email me. Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone at protonmail.com. That's Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone at P-R-O-T-O-N-M-A-I-L.com. I'm Kevin Williams, and thanks for listening to the Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone podcast.